Never before has there been such a potent mix of ambition, sexuality, and oatmeal raisin. We watched The Temp, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all... I'm not asking you to splice DNA, you just do it! Right, right. Lighten up, we're in the cookie business. <laughs> Hello, my name is Todd Workoven, and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. Joining me, as always, is Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm really well today. <laughs> Good. And, of course, Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Doing well, Todd. Good. So we watched a movie from 1993 called The Temp. Starring Lara Flynn Boyle and William Hurt with Oliver Platt, Stephen Weber, and Faye Dunaway. And interesting enough, uh, directed by a man named Tom Holland, not (laughs) Spider-Man, but the director of such classics as Fright Night, Fatal Beauty with Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Child's Play, some Tales from the Crypt episodes, The Langoliers, Thinner. So a guy with a very deep history in in horror directed this. which kind of shows in this movie. It does. There's a couple tense moments. Uh, there's a lot of... Oh, I've covered up my camera. Sorry. <laughs> I put my thing up. I was like, why is that dark? Um, there's a lot of like creepy music stings like over things that aren't at all dramatic. <laughs> or people in the office late at night and all the lights are off. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like if you would what? just replace them with like room noise, it would be like the least scary thing in the world. But there's a lot of those, a lot of those uh, music stings in here. So this is a movie, I like said, The Temp. I kind of remembered that this movie existed, but I, in my head, I always get it mixed up with The Substitute with Tom Berenger for okay. some reason, which I also haven't seen and aren't related at all to this. But. I knew nothing about this movie, but Nicholas was almost an extra in this movie uh, oh. in, the, in the battleground lake scene oh, uh, that's because where that he was. lived uh, you know, a, a hop, skip and a jump from uh, Battleground Lake. And he doesn't recall like what the conflict was, but he was asked to go and he wasn't available to go. And uh, oh, wow, Lara Flynn Boyle could have asked him to have sex, sex in the lake on, with him. <laughs> I take off my <laughs> bikini and we can F underneath the water in front of all of our friends and coworkers. So, yes, this is sort of a this came out in 1993, as I mentioned, and this is during that early 90s onslaught and glut of. Uh, sexy adult thrillers that was a big thing Uh, so Basic Instinct comes out uh, in March of 1992 and kind of um, blows everything open as far as this sort of it's kind of the next iteration of the the, of the sexy thriller so we get Basic Instinct in March of 20 of 92 then in 93 we get Body of Evidence in January we get The Temp in February we get Sliver in May, and then that next, uh, the next December of '94 is when we get Disclosure, which is kind of a similar, uh, similar idea to some of this. What about the Firm? The Firm was right in there as well. Like yeah, very. Yeah, there was a lot of those business action 
women power yeah men. yeah john grishamy right. with, yeah, yeah, with right. extra sexuality type right. thing. when was uh hand that rocks the cradle that's what i can oh. think of Ooh, yeah. yeah i don't know i remember that with rebecca de mornay I think that was the year. But yeah, there was, there was 90, that was ninety two. Oh yeah, wow! So, yeah, so that exactly. was that was before. Yeah. So then it goes basic instinct, then hand that rocks the cradle. Single white female. Single white. I guess single like white. Weird. But anyway, so yeah. yeah anyway. There's the, <laughs> let's go watch all of those movies. <laughs> I would even probably watch Sliver over this. Give me give me Daniel Baldwin or whatever Baldwin was in that any day. But so yeah, this is. And the, I would group it a little bit more with the basic instinct, body of evidence, sliver type, you know, hyper sexualized thing. And they all I remember listening to uh, a how did this get made episodes? This is not my observation, but it's one of those things that I've noticed since then. I think um, they mentioned when they did uh, Disclosure as one of their movies that all of these movies are just like this real indictment of ambitious women and how dangerous they are, especially if they are have sexual agency of any kind. Like even in this movie, like if you want, if you're in the early 90s and have a movie and you want to show that the female character is dangerous and to be untrusted, you throw in a little lesbian chic and you throw in a female masturbating. And like, that's how you know that they must be a crazy nymphomaniac, you know, unbridled lust monster if they dare masturbate in the privacy of their own home if they are single. So, yeah, it's funny to like look at this and so much. So the setup, who wants to give a little setup of this movie? Anyone? The setup. Um, I, I, I. I don't really, how Mark can do start? it, but it has to be on 1.3 speed. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you going into this movie, um, it, it wasn't until like maybe 20, 25 minutes into the movie that I even figured out what genre this movie was going to be in. Because okay. I went in, I went in uh, not knowing anything about this movie. I'm other surprised than because of, of the Twin Peaks crossover with mm-hmm. Lara Flynn Boyle. Right. I didn't even realize that she was in this. And um so going in, uh, all I knew was it's one that has been on our list since like the inception of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's, I guess, one of the maybe better known movies filmed in Portland. Yeah, I would say um, that, yeah. Yeah, so. At it, least when you mention it, I don't think people would like name movies made right. in Portland. But then when you'd mention the temp, everyone would be But like, it might oh, be yeah, one they've kinda. heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Uh, and so there's an, an ambitious working man who uh he's at the beginning he's told he's got to have this report on the desk tomorrow so at many new so many files are being like rapidly <laughs> grabbed in this movie yeah <laughs> people rushing in and going through files and stacking them up and 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 so he goes back to his assistant and his assistant is saying i've got to leave my wife's Water just broke. I'm leaving. Bye. Here's the keys. I'm out of here. And uh, and so he's this ambitious. But Mark, young, the report is due the, tomorrow. You're leaving me. <laughs> um, sorry, it's my family. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and um, and so it it's we we learn that this is a cookie company that um, <clears throat> is in the midst of a business transition. And he is aspiring to get the VP job and the people are moving around and there's acquisition, business acquisitions and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and so his, 
secretary gets replaced by the spicy young Laura Flynn Boyle. The temp. The temp. Oh, you're the temp. And um, and so she's immediately super powerful, uh, does his job 10 times better than he does. He She magically knows what the report is and all of the things. And he hasn't talked to her once about any of this. And she does it so much better than anybody has ever done it. And they get the report in. They slide it under the door with two seconds to spare. And you're like... Oh. You could have just told the manager, like, it'll be here at once. Oh, it's on the copy machine it's right a, now. Right. Literally downstairs. And, they, they, and up up to this point in the movie, as far as I'm concerned, it could have been Frozen Assets or some yes. other wacky hijinks movie. Absolutely. Like, I thought it, it, this could totally just become a comedy. Yeah. yeah. It, absolutely. And and then um, there's there's a lot that happens with this temp and her position. And, and almost... It towards <laughs> so many things were going on. I almost felt like uh, so I mar- married an axe murderer. Uh, kind of things were going on where you didn't know if she was gaslighting you or she's the killer or uh, and there's people dying and history and and positioning and it, you know one person she comes as this temporary secretary and all of a sudden is vice president of marketing and 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 uh, he has a history of like seeing things and like some mental issues that being paranoia yeah and yeah oh the, the opening scene is him in his psych uh, psychologist's office talking about the uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. And so he has this history of paranoia and and maybe some other, uh, you know, classical symptoms uh, built into that. And and so, well, you know, this is our last session. You're all good now. Uh, Check in with me later kind of thing. But but you're all good. And that's when the rest of this rolls out. And so that was kind of the the base, the base, the table setting for the temp. So before we get into it too much, I want to focus on uh, something that you mentioned and what I mentioned in the in the opening. They work for a cookie company, like a grandma branded, like actual grandma's cookie company. Right. I don't know that it was. Co- I think it was a bakery, and they were just getting into the, the cookie, cookie market. Yeah. Oh, the and the way that this movie treats cookies and the cookie industry i mean i'm sure there's high stress days in the cookie industry but it was like it was like one of those other 90s movies that like takes place on the on the stock market floor or whatever and like so many people are including faye dunaway who is kind of the boss of the whole company who is just business business they're walking down the halls handing off things and it's like it is the most intense thing and it's like this is a cookie company and people are freaking out and yelling and we need this peanut butter cookie stat and like what a and like it it was just so funny that they could have picked anything and they picked a little (laughs) grandma's cookie company there's there's a competitor who has applebee's uh, applebee's that has the friend and he's in the office. He's like, now that we're going head to head, we're, they're at the basketball game. Now that we're going head to head, you know that there's no holds barred. And I will I will kill you and eat your prey for you. Like, you're like, really? It like, is crazy. 
I was wondering why they chose Cookie Cookie Bakery Company as well, because it it, it almost is non uh, essential to the plot whatsoever. Yeah, it has nothing um, to do with. And it could have been. I came up yeah. with like one one of two explanations. One, they chose it because it was kind of funny to show you that really this is a story <laughs> yeah. about the business world, and it could just be any company. So we chose something silly. Um, or it could be that they were trying to actually make it funny that all this like, you know, uh, um, game of uh, murder and stuff was actually going on at a cookie company, grandma's cookie company. (laughs) But since nothing else in this movie is funny, I don't think it's the second one. I, I, I was probably just one of those screenwriter things where like, I need an interesting, you know, industry to look into. And it kept reminding me my. Um, my final in college for uh, advertising and marketing was to come up with a, a full advertising campaign for like a grandma's type cookie company. So I kept getting flashbacks to like my group project about oatmeal raisin cookies and like jar the jar designs and <clears throat> it needs molasses. <laughs> But but molasses molasses is too expensive. <laughs> I've looked into it. <laughs> Well, she looked into it. Now you look into it. That was a pretty good feed, Dunaway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that just really kept cracking me up with a. <laughs> and they did open because they're trying to figure out what new new cookie or new shape of a cookie jar. And the opening to the presentation is where does everyone want to be? The fifties. I'm like, wow, that's a thing that's still that's still true is that we're still dreaming about those 50s 20 years later. So another thing about this movie that we haven't mentioned um, is that the version we all watched had delightful Swedish subtitles. Yeah, thanks, Todd. I felt like I was watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail at first. (laughs) So every once in a while, I wrote down uh, some fun, different words so we can learn a little bit of Swedish. (laughs) So uh, the son, so William Hurt is the main character and he's the go-go businessman. And I, I, William Hurt is a, a name I hear a lot, but I can't really like in my head picture. Oh, that, that was the William Hurt movie. Like he's right. a very, I think generic eighties. I kept on um, thinking of the guy from the, um, um, the ice skating movie. Um, the, John Hedder. Uh, no, 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 Blades of Glory. Oh, no. oh, oh, DB Sweeney. Yeah, DB Sweeney from, from <laughs> the Cutting Edge. Right, <laughs> toe pick. Uh, it was, it was very. They, they and he, like yeah, the same he looks a little bit like young Richard Gere, and he, like, he just kind of looks like a lot of people. And he is so, I mean, we mentioned humorless before, but like so humorless and intense in this movie, um, and that kept making me laugh. So, um, his son plays back. He's uh, separated from his wife. But I'm not, I don't think I ever picked up on why. Like, he's clearly paranoid and slept. Did, did he cheat on her? Because that is kind of mentioned later. Or did He was she, super paranoid about her cheating. Maura Turney and, does and, not uh, cheat on people. She right. is a delight. That's <laughs> who played his, his, yes. his separated thanks, wife. Thanks, ER. Uh, <laughs> and, and news radio. And, uh, yeah, I, I, there wasn't an incident that... There was, because at some point, William Hurt and Lara Flynn Boyle, like, meet at a bar, happen to meet at a bar or something like that, and they say goodbye on the sidewalk, and that's when Maura Tierney comes up, and she's like, I knew it, or whatever, and, like, that kind of made it sound like he'd cheated before, something like it, but it wasn't real clear why. I think that was because she had been tipped off that 
he might be cheating because of some jewelry purchases that were on on their joint bank account right which had been done by the temp right i had Uh, the i was gonna pay you back i had the check check right right here. here uh and so i think she had in her mind that he was cheating and he just validated that with by seeing them close on the together on the, okay so when he was telling the story about him walking in on his wife and his wife's uh, boss and his wife uh was did he was that true or was he making that up no no, no. So, so in his mind they were sleeping together Right. And so he he had fabricated this whole cheating scenario. And then she's like, well, what happened? Well, I I walked in and and she was having dinner with him and their whole family, including their kids. And it was a business meeting. Like it it was nothing. I was pictured it. Okay, I thought on that part because he yeah, he was talking about and then I saw her or. But then his mom was a cheater as well, because oh, right. that comes up where like mom was banging the boss <laughs> and his wife too that he walked in on. So I, it was very unclear and probably purposely so for the movie, because it's a series of like, well, is he fabricating this in his mind or is this really happening? And most of the stuff that happens like is just super mundane office stuff that like any any ambitious business person would be doing and like, but they just treat it like it's such. And then, so Laura Flynn Boyle comes in as the temp, you know, saves the day is super great at what she does. And then uh, it's clear that she, she, well, she's a temp. And so the guy who's pregnant wife, when he comes back, she, she will be displaced. And so she is thinking of going to work for Oliver Platt who works in the same company but she wants to keep working for William Hurt and so all of a sudden William Hurt is driving down I-5 on the Markham Bridge Bridge, talking to his shrink about how he doesn't need help anymore and sees Oliver Platt's car pulled over like blocking traffic and um, Oliver he walks up to the car and Oliver Platt is dead and a wasp crawls out of his mouth because it was set up a little earlier that he's allergic to wasps so he dies and we'll get into it a little later, but like there's some other deaths and other things. My question is, did Laura Flynn Boyle do any of this? Is she it's really seen- responsible or is it just his projection of ambitious women that they're crazy psychopaths? Uh, and so that's where my flashbacks of So I Married an Axe Murderer came in. Right. Because that same got a gaslighting. And, and Yeah, because she did always and, have an answer. He says, right. she was like, you always oh, have an answer. You always have an answer. So the, the rumor on the IMDb is that the ending was forced upon the movie by the producers. Okay. And that... Uh, Faye Dunaway or uh, and and by Faye Dunaway because Faye Dunaway didn't want to be the villain and so the original ending was that 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 last final final scene never happened right and it was Faye Dunaway who was behind everything oh see that is interesting that's interesting right and and so that was the whole premise is that the uh is Laura Flynn Boyle was was innocent, innocent the, the entire time. time. She's just an ambitious, you know, go getter. Right. 
And all of these ancillary things that are happening that are evil under the hood are actually because of Faye Dunaway's character under my, and I didn't quite understand the motivation that she would have. If she was like threatened by. If she she said, there's a scene at the beginning where she talks about how New York is trying to push her out. You know, first it was sexism. Mm. Now it's ageism. That's true. But, but the people that were dying were under her, not over her. Right. Right. I think that they would want to push her out. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. That make I mean not only that that makes more sense but that makes a better a better movie yes but it also I I the same thing happened speaking of body of evidence was the same thing like it was supposed to go one way and they're like uh oh let's just make the sexy girl the villain that is right. the cause of everyone's problems right and so it's, because at the end it is literally like the whole thing is wrapped there's the big climactic ending scene or whatever and it fades to black and fades back up and he's like in his office and. Laura Flynn Boyle walks in and he's like, but you did it after all. And she's like, I did. And then like the movie just like abruptly ends and credits. Right. And so that was forced on, on the movie. And so that scene says that she did do all of the things. Right. But that, but the layout of the movie is such that she didn't. Right. Because at one point she is driving in a car with William Hurt like down a hill. I'm yeah. not sure what highway that was. If that was that in... was out at Cannon Beach. Oh, okay, yeah. I, see, I saw that they did thank Cannon Beach for that. Yeah. But yeah, they're where it's like a cliff on one side and the ocean on the other side yeah. of the road, and their brakes right. are cut, and there was an exciting. Right. So that would have been Faye Dunaway cutting their brakes. Yeah, because exactly. Laura Flynn Boyle's in the car it, with the right. cut brakes. It doesn't get explained, and it's so, her so, car. Yeah, yeah. So she would have to be like, "I'm going to cut my own brakes," and then right. Yeah. So, wow, that really makes a lot of sense and a, a lot of sense about why so much of this movie doesn't work. Right. It would have been a better ending of the movie if they I, had just left it the original. I totally agree. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can find that little quote. Yeah, uh, They give a little explanation to it. Because, yeah, a, a lot of my time, it's like, well, this happened. Did she, how How would she do this and, and why? And, like, huh, anyway... Oh, you know, overall, the way that it played out, it felt to me like uh, just a glorified, sexy episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that is true. It even ends up in a spooky warehouse. <laughs> so reshuffles of the studio resulted in director Tom Holland having a different ending imposed on him, largely at the behest, it was rumored at the time, of Faye Dunaway who didn't want to be seen in a bad light. <clears throat> so the role played by Faye Dunaway was first offered to Diane Ladd. Uh, I wonder, so and I, I do hear that a lot, like, oh, so-and-so accepted, but he doesn't want to be the villain or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, you can always not accept the movie. Right. <laughs> you could do do that. Here's a quote I, I, I wrote down in one of the discussions about the high-stakes world, the cookie, the cookie world. I think it's after they they add they they want to add molasses instead of all the chemicals that make it taste like molasses and the scientists are like but how can we do that that would be impossible to use molasses as an ingredient for a cookie and like one of the guys angers, angrily shouts I'm not asking you to split DNA just do it like <laughs> we are in a laboratory sir like let's dial it back a notch uh, the budget of this movie was how much do you think? Uh, was ninety three? I'll say forty million dollars. Brian, do you have a guess? 
don't think it's that high. I'm going to say 19. 15, and it grossed six. Whoa. <laughs> that is bad. Oh, when did they ouch. drop this? Let's see. Oh, in February. Yeah, they bury the movies in January, the movie February. In January, so February. Body of Evidence followed by <laughs> this movie followed by Sliver. Good job. Uh, Svartsjuken means jealousy. <laughs> and Aquarium, of course, is Aquarium. There's this great one for sexist that's Kons Diskving Vermeningering. I think they have it. Swedish must be a lot like German, German where they just like start piling words together. Concatenating words together. <laughs> I did notice that it, yes was just like German. Yeah. 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 So there was a lot of locations in this movie. Doesn't want to kind of talk about some of those? We've got um, the lake, which I didn't know that was in, in Battleground, Battleground which lake. is good to know. Yep. Been there. We um, see I-5 and the Markham Bridge. Yeah. Uh, the the main building for the, yeah, for the movie, is that? that is currently the Sentinel Hotel. Uh, oh, okay. And the lobby is very, very different from the current uh, sent, uh, Sentinel. Uh, but the elevator is the same, and the the where's interiors. that where's that at? Um, up by the tenth, eleventh uh, it, and Alder. It's eleventh okay. and Alder. It's up by that that parking garage that's at tenth oh, and Alder. Oh yeah, 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 okay. Across the street from Target. Yeah, exactly. Okay, there's a Target there. Yeah, a city Target. <laughs> I haven't been down there in a while, I guess. Um, the the one place we did visit that we haven't been before is the Rose Garden at an actual Blazers game. It wasn't the Rose Garden. <gasps> it was the Coliseum. Memorial. Uh, yeah. the Memorial Coliseum. Okay, well, close enough. Yeah. I, I was getting towards Blazer, actual Blazer game. We were which at was, an actual Blazer game at the Memorial like Coliseum. Like with NBA footage, it wasn't like a restage game. I mean, they just yeah. spliced it in, but that was really Clyde Deck. Clyde, yeah. Clyde Deck. Easy. Drexler makes an appearance, which is fun. And they were actually at the Coliseum, all the... the footage okay. of them walking back to the car and okay. stuff that was right inside there. Did the Blazers yeah. used to play there or did they yep. just use that for filming? Nope, that's where they used to play. So was that, well, that wasn't before the Rose Garden, 93. Why wouldn't they right be playing about inside? Uh, for a while, they, they were at both, but I don't think the Rose Garden, I, I think that opened right about that time. Okay, then they just made the hockey players go there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was, when we saw that, I was hoping we'd get another... Um, uh, uh, Kansas City bomber crowd shot. Oh, uh, that's right. amazing. But Goon, we did not. Goontown. <laughs> so at uh, another point in this movie, um, so Laura Flamboyle comes in and, and not only does a good job at being a secretary, but also um, starts helping with marketing and maybe we should use, you know, these shape cookie jars and maybe we should do this and that and use the molasses and all that. I, another thing, and not to sidetrack too much of why it doesn't work that she is the killer at the end is because she, she is shown throughout the movie to be accomplishing everything needed to get ahead just through hard work and smart. She's incredibly smart. She's, you know, <clears throat> she's all of these things that make her capable and able to do the things to get ahead. But then, so then why make her a killer? I guess, but anyway, so well, what? yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the answer was that was not the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But they're having a, a taste test at the Hillsborough, wherever they're supposed to be at for their new cookie with molasses. And, you know, they show little grandma and they show Billie Eilish taking a bite of the cookie and they're like, mm, mm. it's so good. 
And then all of a sudden, grandma starts bleeding from the mouth. And then Billie Eilish starts <laughs> appropriately bleeding from the mouth a lot. And I thought, oh, okay, well, now we're seeing his his manifestations, his delusions Paranoia. or whatever. Nope, those were real. That was real. At, <laughs> and they never went into how the specifics. Because at first they're like, well, maybe broken glass got into it. I'm like, hey, guess what? Like, no matter how dumb you are, you're not going to keep chewing on broken glass. <laughs> I love how the grandmother like keeps the stoic expression and keeps chewing while the blood is just dripping from her Pouring mouth. out of her mouth. So it's not poison because poison doesn't make you spontaneously bleed through the mouth does it <laughs> i don't think so. can it <laughs> so that was crazy because i thought for sure that's when we're because that would have been nice too to give the audience a little something oh so he can't be trusted like he's right. an unreliable narrator as well and you know things are uh, but we just didn't get any of that that is so crazy <laughs> the more i think about just how that unti- it's like doing an elaborate knot on your shoe and the very last thing, when you pull it, it just like all comes undone <laughs> and you're left with no shoelaces. And there were a lot of those uh, of trying to shoehorn in a uh, a slasher scene into this thriller movie of like the the weird uh, suicide. Uh, and I I still don't get... So the guy, there's another guy at the office, some bald guy who is not just some guy that is Dwight Schultz. And if you were a Star Trek fan, you would know that that is uh, Lieutenant Reginald Barkley. And here's his action figure right here. <laughs> yes. I love that you have his action oh figure. Oh my amazing. gosh. That is so funny. Um, Mark, can you uh, go to the 48 minute mark of this movie? So what was his name again? Dwight Schultz? Dwight Schultz is the actor and I've met him at a Star Trek convention. Oh, funny. He did great. His part is bonkers, but he did great because he is constantly just freaking out about everything. So like around, I think 48 minutes is just another part where I think he is, is, is freaking out about something. Yep. One second. Sorry. Okay. So he is, yeah, invested in the future of grandma's cookies. And 40. 48. This is from this fiasco. The winner's going to be Chris Boland. I don't have to tell you who the losers are going to be. You're crazy. Will you stop saying that? What about your buddy at Baker Mills? I've seen him hanging around here a lot. Brad plays tough, but he... No, I'm telling you, it's someone in this company. If I told Charlene about your theory, she'd go batshit, and God knows what she'd do with you, Peter. You've got this problem. Pat! I had this problem! This is a cookie company. I... <laughs> This is not like the military uh, military strike. This is a cookie company, and they're discussing the shape of cookie jars. And at another point, it's just so when they're all the internal office politics and Faye Dunaway and who's going to succeed, who they're like, he plays a game with no rules, just like you used to. And it's like, we are at a cookie company. <laughs> what do you mean playing a game with no rules? <laughs> it's so absurd. But um, so, yeah, he ends up always freaking out. And at some point, um, uh, um, 
what's his name? I'm already forgetting the bland guy's name. William Hurt goes into his office and there's something playing on the computer. There's dialogue playing off the computer that's saying we are, this is after the bleeding mouse and they're trying to clean up the PR disaster over and over. The computer is, has typed out saying we are entrenched in a political quagmire like over and over. And we pan over to see Dwight Schultz swinging from the rafters because he hung himself. (laughs) But did he, and I guess that's the point of the movie. Did he kill himself or did somehow Lara Flynn Boyle inexplicably also do this? Right. I think he actually killed himself. I think he I did think too. That was- I, Cause I wanted to, I wrote down very early on, like he has to be careful because he is going to give himself a heart attack and then he is going to kill himself. He is flipping out again and then he hangs himself. It's like, well, there we are. <laughs> he needs a little more self-care. I think, I think that was his suicide note that kept repeating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was funny too. I am really glad Mark mentioned it uh, earlier. There's a, I pick up basketball game under the uh, Hawthorne. Was that the Hawthorne bridge or the uh, Morrison, Morrison, Morrison bridge? Um, so Stephen Weber and William Hurt are playing pickup game of basketball. And I was just, so thankful that neither of you are like, let's go play pickup game basketball. Cause it just seems like a nightmare to me, honestly. And they're like rough too. And it's like play basketball or like, what are we doing here? Especially under the Morrison bridge right now. (laughs) (laughs) As like American gladiators. Let me know how that goes for you. (laughs) Under there. Um, Did anyone recognize where the, where the uh, Maura Tierney, they show her house, which kind of looked like an East, East Moreland or Westmoreland type thing. Yeah. Not specifically. Okay. Um, There is, they do mention the McAllister, McAllister street or something like that. Cause it did, it did mention Portland once, but it it made up names for almost everything else. There was a radio station called KFYD. Uh, They did show Kells and mention Kells. Um, I I did really like how this movie was clearly Portland and there were some really good shots, but they, it it was just really subtle. You know, it was just a movie and set in Portland and it it felt honestly did not feel like a movie that we would typically watch for this podcast. All right. What about there was uh, towards the end the William Hurt's son plays uh, um, on a basketball team or whatever. And at what point he shows up to, which is called basket match. Oh. Which is the, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, he, he shows up half at halftime for, you know, you missed half the game, yeah. um, <clears throat> to see his son's basketball. And then he stays for 30 seconds and then just walks He's out. like, I gotta go. I gotta go. Like, what? He just <laughs> got here. So was that, and then uh, he goes outside and that's where he sees Lara Flynn Boyle flirting with Steven Weber. But was that like at the Mac club or something like I, that? I, I looked couldn't... up, I looked up the Mac and it wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought it was like a junior high gym. Yeah, at first, that's it what was it like looks a, like. Yeah. And they like walk out and it's like this huge area with people sitting and eating. Yeah. So I'm not sure where that was. Um, so did Governor Hotel, did that, is that what used to be? The Sentinel. That's the Sentinel. Okay. Because yeah, that's thanked, that's thanked in the end. Um, so it does stink that William Hurt just gets off scot-free at the end of this movie because like, even with his his paranoid delusions, like at one time he's after he sees Steven Weber and his political cookie rival from the other company, but also his best friend that he plays pickup basketball games with, sees him with Laura Flynn Boyle after you know at the not the not Matt Club, and so follows them home, 
and sneaks up to Laura Flynn Boyle's house. And that's when he sees her masturbating, which is when we know that she must be utterly insane, (laughs) according to 90s movies tropes. But he's like, even if she was in there with Steven Weber, which he thought he was trying to verify, that is not something our hero character needs to be doing is like, sulking around and like peeping Tom on, on other people. So like the fact that he just gets his job back in that, it, it must, they, in that ending, they also are like, suddenly he's back with his wife and everything is fine. He's back with his wife. He's president of the company. Like at the end, he is in charge. It was like a day later. (laughs) Totally. The sex, the sexual harassment in this movie and the way that it was just played off as nonchalant was really uncomfortable. She leans forward. He looks at her boobs. She, she just grins about it. She just grins about it. Like, ah, I'm seducing him and I have some power. Uh, was was the entire tone of it. Cons discriminating. That's sexist. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about my favorite scene in this movie? Uh, which one was that? I'm surprised neither of you have brought up the uh, paper shredder yet. Oh, oh yes. yes. And that, that speaking of horror directors, that was that was pretty great. So why don't you? That was uh, the moment I finally kind of figured out what genre this movie was even going to be. Because <laughs> um, up until that point, it was just kind of like, you know, uh, Tim doing great work and some some kind of comedy things. Uh, but then, like, out of nowhere, the, the first sign that something was amiss um, is when his uh, original executive uh, administrative assistant comes back from uh, his wife being uh, uh, having the baby and he's making some copies and the the uh, paper shredder is jammed. And so he unplugs the power uh, and opens it up and, and starts looking at the, the knives inside and, and sees the jam, starts pulling it out. And then, of course, uh, it mysteriously starts working and then sucks his hand. And then it is just blood splattered against the wall. It's like a straight up horror movie for, for 30 seconds at that point. Yeah, that was great. And they did a great shot from like inside the machine through yep. the blades as his hand was reaching in there. That was super tense. And that, and so when that happens, it's like the explanation is, well, he thought he unplugged the shredder. He really unplugged the copier. And I was like, how am I even supposed to think that Laura Flynn Boyle might have done that? Like that yes. would have really been yes. impossible. Right. Like it wasn't a yes. breaker switch and, or it wasn't like he just unplugged the wrong thing. <laughs> and so like, that shouldn't be a question in our minds about what happened. Right. And I, I don't think it was meant to implicate someone else. It was a plot point so that, he was taken out of the picture and she stayed around. Uh, she needed a reason to be there after the pregnancy right. was done. And, and it also sowed suspicion. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But yeah, that was a, that was a pretty great shot. So much blood. Um, the one fact that I found out about, this is my favorite fact I found out about this movie. Uh, so Faye Dunaway um, at this point in her career she accepted this movie because she thought it would have mainstream appeal and she wanted to reconnect with audiences and she ended up winning a razzie for her performance she wasn't bad though i mean on on the continuum of mommy dearest to to this like it was again a cookie factory and so like the drama and urgency seemed a little overwrought but like she seemed fine as like the 80s executive businesswoman. I mean, she wasn't like super unreasonable or super. So I thought she just did. I mean, she did fine. I thought wasn't anything, anything. There's also a woman named Lynn Shea in this movie and her name sounds super familiar. 
she has 208 credits. So I think she's one of those ladies that just end up in everything. But uh, who was she? Um, I think she was the one of the secretaries, the 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 kind of the older blonde secretary. Um, oh, the one that gives the thumbs up. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, and she's been in in a ton in still working like five or six movies every year. A lot of them little, a lot of them a little horror movies, but like she was in Brain Smasher, a love story as well. Uh, huh. Even Cowgirls Get the Blue. I mean, she like literally five or six movies every year since like 1975. So, but there was also someone else in here, and that is our one of our Portland at the movie favorites, Russ Fast. So we and I, I, that must have been how this movie ended up on our list. But we have now seen. So he is in that Stark Raving Mad movie, the one that is was renamed that we can't we can't find uh, anymore. Do you remember that? Is is that the one? Oh, no, something, wait. something at the hop. I think so. Now I can't remember which one. And a, con, a convicted serial killer relates the story of the circumstances that leads to his present situation. So that doesn't sound familiar. But for some reason, but he was in uh, the Last Innocent Man. The Haunting of Sarah Hardy, Breaking In, um, Good Cop, Bad Cop, the one scene that they must have shot in Portland. Um, the Dog Best Christmas Tree. Ever, which is one of the Wee Singer, I think. I think Duplicates, Dr. Giggles, The Temp, wow. Brain Smasher, um, and a couple other things. So And Jeez. Payback. And something called In the Line of Duty, Blaze of Glory, which looks pretty pretty amazing, too. Oh, uh, Bruce Campbell is in that. Oh, Nice. That's funny with Lori Laughlin, Aunt Becky. So anyway, yeah, he uh, he shows up everywhere, and I still don't recognize him, but I always see him in the credits, and I should finally just memorize what his face looks like. <laughs> um, what else do we have? I mean, IMDb doesn't even have his face, so yeah, that's true. So <laughs> now I'll never know. Uh, Skitsnock means <clears throat> nonsense. Speaking of nonsense, so there was. Um, the scene when he comes home and somebody has moved his furniture and he uh, calls the police and said, well, you know, it's so they're trying to lay suspicion again on uh, the, the lady. Laura von And we find out like in a two second little clip towards the end of the movie that it was the maid who cut her hand while working and had to leave. Yeah. I did it, notice that. It didn't leave any message or didn't ever talk. To, it was it was so like this movie was set up so well to be what it was written to be. To be what it was written to be. <laughs> uh, I'm looking up Laura Flynn Boyle a second. I wanted to see because this is fairly. When was Twin Peaks? Was this before? Tw- or She was coming oh, off of Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks with this movie. And, you know, honestly, okay. I don't. It, this movie didn't exactly kill her career, but I think it probably prevented her from reaching you know a-list status because she didn't go on to really do anything high profile again afterwards yeah she was in a deleted scene from dead poet society (laughs) (laughs) true uh let's see twin peaks mobsters eye of the storm so wayne's world was in 1992 oh so that was before the year before this that's why i was trying to figure out what Mm -hmm. it was but yeah after the temp it's Red Rock West, Threesome, Past Tense, Baby's Day Out, The Road to Wellville. A whole lot of nothing until, um, what was that, Private Practice? What show was she on? Yeah, Oh, Allie McBeal, she was on uh, the, the, pra- practice. the Practice. That's it. And that went for years and years and years. Wow. 
And then she started dating Jack Nicholson. Are they still together? Or did they break up? Oh, wow. See those kids. Oh, yeah. They, they were together a long time. So huh. the R&D department. <laughs> R&D is Utvecklingsalveldningen. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I did like at the at that tagged on ending, which I'm, I almost want to go back and watch to see like how much exposition they try to drop in that last 30 seconds of the movie. But William Hurt here, you know, he was made president of the company because New York heard about his, quote, survivalist qualities. And again, we are at a cookie company <laughs> making grandma's cookies. Okay, you uh, wanna, I like how you, d- you didn't just die hit. when somebody tried to. Are you just going to play the last? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so part of the scene is well. Let's let's set up how it yeah. how um. So we're going to this through the movie. We can't figure out is it Lara Flamboyant? You know, is he just seeing things? What's going to happen? Um. We he, William Hurt gets a note that is supposedly from um. What's her face? Well, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. I said Lauren Bacall. From Faye Dunaway, the boss, saying, meet me at the cookie factory stat. There's a huge problem. And it's the middle of the night, so William Hurt runs to the cookie factory, and it's all dark and spooky, and he's calling out, and he sees someone come in and hit him with a pipe, but he... No, first he sees Larflin Boyle laying down and has a bloody head, and she's like, it was her, or whatever. It was women's ambition all along. <laughs> we cannot be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's hunting around more and then gets hit in the head with a pipe, but doesn't see who did it. When William Hurt comes back, he sees Laura Flynn Boyle and um, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway, thank you. Struggling and pushing each other over, trying to push each other over the railing. Laura Flynn Boyle says, help me, help me. And so he ends, or uh, Faye Dunaway gets end up pushing, getting pushed over the edge and he grabs her by the hand and then she slips. So she fall. Faye Dunaway falls to her death. As she says, a picture. <laughs> picture. I wrote that down because I am so irritated in movies where someone is so not clear about what their last thing <coughs> is. Like, just tell them. <laughs> or, she's a fake. <clears throat> She has no husband. Like, whatever. Just be direct. The picture. The picture. And so the the picture on on, uh, Laura Flynn Boyle's desk happened to be the stock photo that uh, the picture of her husband and daughter was the stock photo that came with every picture frame that has been purchased in that building, apparently. Yeah. And so when he is, he's now president and in charge of Faye Dunaway's company and, uh, the Faye Dunaway's secretary is cleaning out the desk of Faye Dunaway because she's now dead. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm cleaning out the desk. What are those pictures? And she has like four of these picture frames, you know, with the... That the, picture in it. That, that supposedly picture. husband and child. And so Laura Flynn Boy comes in and he's, he's like, I knew it. You've been a lying whore so this here's whole where time. We are, yeah. Where'd she get these? Picking up the picture. Not that came with a frame. $9.95 from Thrifties. I bought them Thrifties. for her. Why? I'll get the coffee started. And so now he's realizing that she was the killer all along. Here's the first week's report on the oatmeal raisin classic. <laughs> Looks to be a big success. Congratulations. 
She's got different 90s hair every Chris. scene. He's holding up the picture. Two more of the pictures. These were the pictures Charlene was talking about. Charlene is fade on away. I didn't call her and tell her there was an emergency at the bakery. You did. On my behalf. You were going to kill her, pin the murder on me. Because she was on to you, wasn't she? She knew you didn't go to Stanford. She knew you lied about having a family. And you weren't going to rise any higher here as long as Charlene was around. I was going to tell you about the picture. I always keep one on my desk. There's always that. To fend away office hounds. Lots of girls do. Or they wear wedding rings. You always have an answer. Come again? I said you always have an answer. <laughs> Why don't you save them for someone else? Peter, we're not going to go through this again, are we? <laughs> no, Chris, we're not. Almost there. Yeah. As president, it's time I start delegating some authority. Rosemary, call the police and have security make sure Miss Boland doesn't leave the building. Yes, Mr. Jerks. Thanks. Uh, one more thing, Chris. Clean out your desk. You're fired. And that is the movie. End credits. So yeah, now I mean that is so tacked on. Now that you mentioned that, that is so tacked insane. on and, and ruins the movie. <laughs> why? Why would they? Well, I guess if she said, "I don't want to be the villain," right? And, and that's the only possible but you, explanation. But, I know. But you think it would have changed things around, or right? That is so yeah. crazy. Wow. So this, yeah, this did mention Portland once, but not. Oh, uh, speaking, uh, there was one more uh, little nod to Portland that I thought was like subtle and it, it, it helped. Um, somebody mentioned that their husband uh, works at HP. Yes, at Hewlett oh, yeah. Packard. I did notice yeah. that too. Um, yeah. do, they stay at a hotel at some point after they drive on the Cannon Beach Highway. They drive to a hotel. Was that Edgefield? It kind of looked like a big plantation-y something huh. or other hotel. I, I might have know where missed that. Was. that. It's when they were... I don't, I don't remember what they were doing, but they were on the road or on the run or had to stay there towards the end or something. Uh, let me let me take remember. a look. I know that the North Park blocks showed us. Oh, scene. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he goes and investigates um, her backstory. Oh, 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 I see. I see. Uh, yeah. Wow. That, uh, I don't think it's Edgefield. So Maybe either. it's that one. It could be that one in the gorge. Oh, Maybe. What timestamp are you at, Brian? Uh, one seventeen thirty. Nope, sorry, sorry. Uh, one eighteen fifty. Okay. Huh. I yeah, some I big see white. See the white front. I don't know where that is. Huh? Yeah, I wonder if that was a place that was on the coast or something like that. If they're already on the. Could be by yeah. Cannon Beach. All right. Well. Is there anything else about this movie? What did we think? It it uh it would so like okay, <clears throat> let's pretend let's pretend they didn't tack on that ending and it like it ends with Faye Dunaway yeah. being like it's, it was her the whole time. Then what do we think of this movie? We we I think that it's very cringy me too fodder. Like it's it's very 90s stereotyping of 
power and women and sexuality and stuff. And, and there's a lot that would make a lot of people cringe today. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so is it, is it mm-hmm. bad? Is this a bad movie or did, does it, is it rendered bad just because of the hackney ending? That doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, I think you could make it such a better movie with just a couple tweaks uh, that really did like, right. throw a wrench into it. Right. I'm trying to look up what the rating of this movie is. It doesn't say because there really so was I, no sex in it other than that fleeting shot of her on the bed, but just by herself. The IMDb rating is 5.3 out of 10. No, no, no. Like the, is it rated R? Oh, 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 oh. oh. <laughs> it's R. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, she, she says the word fuck. That's true. Well, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm surprised because since this is supposedly a sexy thriller from 1993, you'd think there would be a more torrid love affair or like you would think they would have played up more on that. But maybe Laura yeah. Boy was just too young and it was too weird. Although she wasn't positioned to be, you know, a young, you know, naif or anything like that. But yeah, I thought that was weird. I thought they would lean into that. since this was. I guess, but even that, yeah, I mean, it wasn't graphic yeah. or anything. You just, yeah, they just, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that maybe they were trying the to make bare a bare minimum of R so that, so that they could get a, a different audience. That's true. That's true. I think comparing this movie relative to other Portland movies, it is clearly in the top half of uh, our offerings. And uh, given that, I would not say it's bad by any means. Okay, so we're not giving this the Stradixian or the Hatchet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're going to use my audio to teach. Me personally, I I would not recommend this to anybody except in the case where they're looking for historical movies that include Portland. Like, hey, what are some movies that really show Portland? Right. Frozen assets and, and this and the temp and the temp, like go go get your power women in place <laughs> and then body of evidence and then body. Of I evidence. wonder if they were shooting this and body. I mean, they came out within a month of each other. I wonder if they were shooting these at the same time. Probably, uh, probably. Um, also, so, so many movies that we watch on this show, we actively hate. <laughs> um, I don't hate this movie at all. Yeah. I, I kind of hate this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it it was technically competent, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah, makes good, it land in the top good, half. Yeah, I, I'm with you with that. Like, yeah, it, it's watchable. But yeah, it's just, it's such a bummer to know yeah. that the reason this fell apart at the end is because it really did fall apart at the end. They just popped the balloon that they were building. Tell it. Um, uh, the Rose Garden uh, opened in 1995. Oh wow! Yeah, so in '93 <laughs> it was all Coliseum. Oh wow! I didn't know it was that new. Yeah. The more you know. I want to know more about the Unipiper. The Unipiper, is anything coming up in your life? Um, not so much. Uh, still doing uh, birthdays. I did my first bar mitzvah this nice. weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I got to learn Hava Nagelo on bagpipes. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's, something you, that's something you could never unlearn, Brian. <laughs> that's a skill you'll have for the rest of your life. <laughs> awesome. Well, go to unipiper.com and order a bunch of merch. We'll say that, um, Mark. You are almost all healed. I'm. I'm You're able up and to walking, walking, and I can drive. And now I just limp, 
as my uh, foot is starting to flex more and do its thing. Uh, and so we're we're back in action uh, next week at the Mark and Toddcast. And um, check us out at markandtoddcast.com. We just talk about science and Portland things. Yes, yes. And you can check me out at Dr. R.I.P. VHS. Soon to have its own merch, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for listening uh, and thank you to Fun Employment Radio for having us as a part of their network go check out their show um, last Friday's show was really funny because last week I was on family vacation and on the last day of our family vacation we make um, omelet in a bag mm. which is everybody gets a big heavy kind of heavy duty plastic uh, Ziploc bag you break up your you put raw eggs in there and then whatever you want in your omelet so cheese or sausage or bacon or whatever and you just squish it all up in the bag and then you boil the bag for 5 to 10 minutes and you get this neat little perfectly shaped omelet that you can either eat or put inside a tortilla or anything like that and so i posted about that and greg from fun employment radio saw that he's like a camping person like loves all those little things and he tried it and it was like apparently a disaster because he like he walked away from it and the bag like you have to make sure the bag like the plastic won't melt but the ziplocky part like if it f- flops over and touches the outside of the pan yeah. it will like melt that part of the plastic <laughs> so like it was this crazy disaster <laughs> of his bagged eggs which is hilarious but <laughs> so go listen Hi, to him i i, I thought you were going to uh you were telling about your trip and then i thought you were going to talk about your haul oh, from the trip. yes so i went up to the olympic peninsula uh in washington state which i'd never been there it was close to forks uh oregon where twilight takes place and oddly enough since that's one of the literally the rainiest spot i think in north america maybe yep. we had like gorgeous 75 degree perfect sky weather and so that was great. Spent a little time there in Ocean Shores, Washington, and Mo Clips was the town that we were yeah. in. Population like eight. 12, yeah. 12. They, had a, they had an abandoned school there that was like this big school building that had been dilapidated. So that was neat. But on the way home, you drive through Aberdeen, Washington, and I stopped at a at two thrift stores there to look for VHS tapes, and I found 46 VHS tapes at one place and then 11 at the one that was owned by... Uh, this great Korean man who I thought was trying to tell me that the instructional tape that I was, the foreign language <laughs> instructional tape I was buying was about the accordion, but he was saying Korean. And I was like, oh, in the car, I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> he was telling me what language this tape I was buying in. So, yeah, that was an incredible haul of tapes that I've never I don't think I've ever bought that many at once before. And then when I was looking on the map. It was four blocks away from Kurt Cobain's childhood at home that I did not go to see. But <laughs> so Todd, if folks want to watch some of these tapes, uh, where can they, they go that? to youtube.com slash Dr. R I P V H S. And you can watch all of the insane old instructional tapes and travel tapes and whatever, what other garbage tapes I find. <laughs> I, I did for the first time. I, I made a little video that goes through every single tape I found so you'll get a little preview of what's coming up. I did uh, this last week posted a movie made by some teenagers in Roseburg, Oregon, that um, is pretty heartwarming and crazy. Very late 90s all star by Smash Mouth, of course, is in it. Like all of those <laughs> Steal My Sunshine by Len and like all of those late 90s hits. And it all takes place at a at a skating rink and there's a guy that dress up in a bee mascot. It's, it's, it's super crazy, but that is a Roseburg at the movie episode, not a Portland <laughs> at the movie episode. So thank you to everyone for listening. We will see you guys later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.